talked a lot about letting our light shine because it felt, frankly, like we were having it put under a bushel, like we were not feeling permitted to let the light of Christ, the true light of Christ shine, that we were being oppressed into shedding light on something that wasn't the true Christ that we worship here. We drew upon his words for inspiration and we heard what he said when he said that you are the salt of the earth But if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand... And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now listen to this part. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Let's keep that in mind. Jesus equates letting your light shine with good works that glorify God the Father. But sadly, a lot of Christians get that right and they get it wrong all at the same time. You see, a lot of people do good works. They give money. They do good deeds. But to what end? Is it entirely about giving glory to God the Father in heaven, or is there some other motivation? That's what we have to be honest about today. We've heard about making room. We've heard about submission and surrender. And none of those things expresses personal gain, personal reward. Christ describes the difference then between what I would call benevolence and discipleship a little bit later in this gospel reading. So let's take a look at that for a second as we look at Matthew now from uh, Matthew 5, verses 38 to 48. Here's what Jesus says about discipleship. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You see what Jesus is saying there? It is better than to surrender your self-will, to surrender your pride, and give more than what is expected, more than what is demanded. And to do it not for the sake of a person or uh, someone else, but for Christ's sake. You would say, 
why would I go the extra mile for this person who's demanded the mile from me in the first place? But that's not the question. The question is, why wouldn't I go the extra mile? Because Christ told me to. See, if you're looking at a person with whom you have some sort of relationship or antagonism or something like that, and they demand something of you that they don't really deserve from you, then you miss the point because the reason for the extra mile, the reason for turning the other cheek, the reason is because Christ asks you to. So now that you've heard how much money we've raised in the last year and used to contribute to mission and outreach around our community and around the world, you can see how God provides for that purpose. And we praise him and thank him for it. We will continue to support the organizations and the missions that we already have. But I want to encourage us, even urge us, to add a new element to our second mile giving that for many of us hasn't even gone the first mile. Because it comes down to our lives, not just our money. It comes down to ourselves more than our money. See, once you realize that your life was one way and now it's completely different and the thing that made the difference was Jesus, you're on track for real discipleship. That's when you recognize that you don't do what you do for your own sake. You do it for his sake. You do it because it honors and pleases him. And it doesn't matter who you do it to or how you help another person as much as why. Your motivation is the main thing. Going the second mile, doing the extra thing, taking a little bit more than, than the person across the way is entitled to. It, it, it's all about saying, I do this because it pleases my Lord. And it really takes away their power over you. People will oppress you for a variety of reasons, but when you surrender to Christ and they realize that this has nothing to do with them, it completely robs them of their power over you. You can't win against the power of Christ in the heart of a Christian believer. So this new year has marked a really new era in the life of Shiloh Church. I know the change has been so constant over the last few years, and I know it's made you uncomfortable at times, and yet it is through your acceptance of the change and your willingness to grow and change too that you are honoring Christ, your willingness to submit to what his spirit is doing all around us is an act of surrender and submission that glorifies Christ. Your willingness to trust a few people to make decisions and choices and believe that if they are dishonoring God in some way, then God will take care of it. That's an act of faith. And so I commend you for that faith. But when it comes right down to it, every day 
living your Christian life, there's nothing that says he gets us quite like the way that Jesus meets you where you are. In other words, you have dealt with your relationship with church, with religion, with Sunday school classes, and with me in a variety of ways, but nothing says he gets us like when you hear his voice speaking directly to you. You know what the most gratifying thing anybody can say to me after I preach is when they come up to me and they say, I thought you were talking just to me. I've heard that a few times over the years and it's always mind boggling to me because I ain't that good. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit talks to your heart, speaks directly to you. And nothing says he gets you. Like when you hear the spirit in you witnessing to your heart and mind. And you know what? Nothing says you get him like obedience. Nothing says you get Christ like going the second mile because he asks it of you. Nothing says you get what he's all about and why he came and what he did for you like turning the other cheek, like giving not only what is demanded of you, but more and all the while doing it for his honor, for his name's sake. Discipleship at the end of the day is giving all of yourself to Christ. Not an hour on Sunday morning, not, uh, you know, not a, not a check put in an envelope, not a, a uh, 15 minutes of devotions in the morning, whatever. And I'm not mocking any of that. I'm simply saying that, that for you to be a true disciple of Christ, you give him all of you. He is your Lord when you're at work. He's your Lord when you're at your leisure. He is your Lord when you're parenting or grandparenting. He is your Lord when you are having coffee with friends. He is your Lord all the time. He's the boss and you are the students. He's the teacher and you are the followers. So my fresh vision, my new vision for this church has been in the making since I got here. You know, I was here in 2017. It's hard to believe we're going on six years now together. And from that beginning, I've worked really hard on our organizational and operational and spiritual culture. There's a lot of things that were broken and needed to be fixed. And I'm pleased to say that most of that is taken care of now. And I'm delighted as I met with our leadership team a couple of weeks ago and then privately with the Lord last week. And when I realized coming out of those times of retreat and spiritual discernment that it's time for me to change my focus. And I have struggled for the last year or so trying to figure out what my discipleship looks like once I've fixed a few things that were broken. I love to fix broken things. I love to solve problems. And now the Lord's asking me to do something that I haven't had the opportunity to do 
for a long time. And yet it's the heart of what I feel called to do as a pastor. As you heard from Katrina, we had to take over mission and outreach as Jessica moved on to a next phase in her life. And Katrina took care of the finances for me, thankfully, because it's never been a great strength of mine. You know, reading spreadsheets and stuff, you know, just tell me whether we're broke or not. That's what I usually say to the treasurers. And uh, tell me how much I can spend. That's what I want to know. But the thing that I like to do is vision and adventure and courageous exploration. So I've decided to take over mission and outreach. In fact, I'm going to call it discipleship, evangelism, and outreach because those are the things that I want to focus on. And I'm going to provide the leadership with that because that will be my main priority moving forward. Now, it won't happen overnight, but in time, that's the goal, to provide for the discipleship of the believers, the ones who are followers of Jesus Christ, but who have been stagnant, who have been idle, who have been letting church happen as it does on a weekly basis, but they're not letting the Lord of their life have them every day, every hour. Discipleship is what we're going to work on because our mission is to be disciples. And it doesn't mean certified disciples. In other words, you don't get a certificate, you hang on the wall, and from then forward, you're always a disciple because you got the paper that says so. That's not how this works. What we are going to do is focus on our own discipleship and then express it as evangelism and outreach, which is basically seeking disciples. Mission, after all, is a word that we've used a lot in the church life for many, many years. We used to do this thing on this particular Sunday called Faith Promise Missions, and it was all about raising money for like foreign missions and for mission work. And the idea is that we were going to pay so that other people could do the work of seeking disciples for Jesus Christ. And we understood that part of how they do that is by helping people solve their problems like Gideon does with their medical needs and so forth. But that's really not a very good definition anymore. To me, mission is a word that has a more militant view. It's a military term. It's like this is our objective and our mission is how we get there from here. And so when I think of our vision, which is to be vital to our community through our Christian discipleship, then I realize that our mission then is to be disciples. I mean, like fully functional disciples of Jesus Christ and then to seek disciples. In other words, to teach them about Christ so that they want to follow him, too. And then we change things. Then things start to really pop. Then revival breaks out. Then change happens. And we do the same thing we used to pay missionaries to do. We solve people's problems. We help them with things that they need help with. And we do it in the name of Christ so that they can join us in following Jesus. That is discipleship. And that will require not only your money, and believe me, that's a big, important part of this, but it will require your time. It will require sacrifices in your life. 
You're going to have to budget. You know, here's one thing I do know about reading spreadsheets. If you want more money on one spot, you have to take it from another spot. That much I know. And so I'm telling you that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. It's going to have to come from one place in order to fill another place. And so I want you to hear clearly that we will ask you to make a commitment to second mile giving. But even more than that, we're asking you to make a commitment to second mile living. Discipleship. I have prepared years ago something I call the discipleship pathway. And I've been waiting for the day the Lord could say to me, now is the time and it is now. This discipleship pathway will help you to intentionally grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's brochures and booklets out there on the table if you want to learn more about it, and I sure hope you do, because it's about budgeting your time as well as your money for Christ. Discipleship starts with the, dependent, with the decision to repent of sin and to surrender to Christ and then to follow him with this clear path of discipleship. It is a decision that you make and you never turn back from. It is a decision that should change your life forever. I was one way, then I met him, and now I'm another way. That's the mark of a disciple. The things you do then are sacrificial in some sense, but mostly they're just done out of love for Christ. And so we'll do evangelism together. That's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people who haven't heard it because that's part of the discipleship pathway. We will do good works together because it glorifies the Father in heaven. That's part of the discipleship pathway. We will study and consider the word of God through Jesus Christ together because that's part of the discipleship pathway. We will give sacrificially because it's part of the disciples' path. And we will do it together here because this is the place. This is the time. If revival can break out in Wilmore, Kentucky, it can break out in Jasper, Indiana. It can break out anywhere. And if you don't understand what Kimberly told you about, don't worry. It isn't anything you have to understand, really. All you have to do is be open. All you have to do is open your heart and mind and say, Lord, I want you to reign in me. I want you to be the most important priority of my existence and not a bunch of other stuff. Once you make room for his Holy Spirit, it's like that budget thing again. The only way you can make room for the Holy Spirit is to make, you know, clear out some stuff. Make some space and let the Holy Spirit in. That's what's happened down there. Some people were sitting there hearing words and music that were inspired and somehow somebody pulled a plug on their self pool and it drained out and the Holy Spirit just went right in. And this is what happens in your life too. If you'll just empty yourself of all the cares, of all the worries of the world, and just repent that you ever thought those things were more important 
You'll change the way you think about everything. You'll give more than enough for the second mile, the third or the fourth or the fifth mile. You'll give more of your time, your talent, and your treasure. So you've, you've heard a lot today. And we still have a little more to do together as we go to the Lord's table. But for now, I'd ask you to just think and pray, Lord, what are you asking of me today? What do you want from me today? What is so big in my life that it's keeping, it's separating me from you? You know, what is the thing that's blocking the two of us from having the kind of intimacy that I know I need? Ask him that now. If it helps you to use that card, then pull the card out now and write on there what you want to give to him. And it can be money and time. It can be to join in the mission and the outreach. It can be to, to get on the discipleship pathway, to actually do something on purpose to help you choose a better way. But the one thing I'll ask of you is just don't do nothing. Don't, don't assume this applies to the person in the pew next to you, but not to you. This is for everybody who's here, whether they're online or in person. This is for everybody who hears this in perpetuity as it goes out across the internet where you know everything lasts forever. For better or worse, this is about you. It's about your relationship with Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, we've heard so much today already. And now we ask that you open our hearts, that you break our hardened hearts, that you open our spirits and let loose the worldly burdens that have kept us away from you. Lord, help us to feel your presence and the Holy Spirit within us. Where we're in need of renewal, awaken and renew us, we pray, Lord. We'll wait as long as it takes and we'll... Take it one day at a time, but we really want to devote our lives to you and our church ministry to you and to let go of the way of the world and the counterfeit religions and all of that counterfeit Christianity that's so rampant in our land. Lord, let us be your true disciples. We pray for your glory, for the Father's glory in heaven. Amen. Amen.